0: What's up, Accelerators? Welcome to Normalize It, the show where we speak about and explore the business of disability inclusion and accessibility. I'm your host, Cam Baudouin, and on each episode, I'll be interviewing leaders, professionals, and people with lived experiences, and we'll be discussing the challenges, successes, and strategies on how to make this world a more inclusive place. As you know, many organizations are still trying to figure out disability inclusion through a trial and error method that's inefficient stick around to the end of the show to find out how we can fix that. So whether you're an advocate, entrepreneur business owner, stakeholder, VP or just someone who's interested in the world of disability inclusion, this show is for you. Let's dive into it. Chiquita, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for coming.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: Chiquita so uh, let's get into this here. What first off, what's a common incorrect assumption in employee discrimination that we need to just see absolutely disappear?
1: That is wrong to disclose your disability has or there is a need i shall say for an accommodation i actually just recently did a trial and we did a jury selection and ironically we had one of the jurors said i wouldn't be ideal for this jury selection because i walk in with a bias there's no way um, i would inform my employer that i have anxiety depression or anything like that that is none of their business it needs to stay out of the workplace and i can't respect anyone else that feel like they should bring that into the workplace However, there are times when you cannot get out of the bed due to your anxiety and your depression. And so asking for the Family Medical Leave Act, which in the United States we have, it gives you a documentation that simply states that here is my diagnosis. It's not every day I was suffering from this, but there's times where I have spells, and I need to be able to relax on some kind of paperwork where I can't run to my doctor and intervene his current caseload and say, look, I need a sheet of paper today to excuse my absence. So it's this ongoing form that's good for up to a year that you can do annually to show that here's my condition and in the events that I have these conditions that might spur here and there that I can be treated. And so that's definitely um, something that needs to be no longer, you know, known in the
0: workplace. Mm -hmm. So is that something that anyone could go and apply for or get from their doctor or healthcare provider, something like that? Or is this a more official form from, from the government? And by the way, this is all U.S.-based, uh, I'm assuming as well, right, up here in Canada. I, I don't know the laws. I don't want you to think, I don't want you to, to comment on, on outside of, of the U.S. as well.
1: No, that's why I made it clear that is um in the United States. But ultimately, most employers do accept it. The, the only minimum required across the board is really that you need to be an employee for one year. Okay, That way you have enough time um, built into the company before you go start taking days off here and there. Got it. But essentially you'll find that you need some form of accommodation and this is a starting point.
0: Got it. And so when I think of the words discrimination, harassment and retaliation uh, in the workplace, and especially towards people with uh, from marginalized groups, what are some of the common forms that you've seen this take place? I kind of I kind of alluded to one right where, you know, let's not give someone a promotion because, oh, we don't know if maybe this person will be able to handle the stresses of a manager job, which is absolutely wrong. Uh, what have you seen in your in your line of work
1: as it relates to those with disability?
0: But, I mean, anything, because I feel that discrimination, harassment, retaliation do cross over uh, in many areas. And not only that, the intersection between other discriminations like it, that, that comes up quite frequently as well.
1: Yes, across the board, most definitely. And as you know, um, I think, you know, with the George Floyd movement, if it wasn't known, Blacks would be the, you know, ones that believe that we had a higher level that'd be marginalized. But when, what I have seen in the workplace, um, the idea that someone was checked into a mental, dis, uh, mental facility. And I now have to go share that with my boss, supervisor, whoever else the company required me to share this with in order to excuse my absence. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to turn in this paperwork and say, please excuse me for however most treatment facilities are 10, 14, 21 days. And if I'm getting this type of treatment, inpatient or outpatient, I'm usually off work because the even the outpatients are usually doing normal business hours. And for someone on the receiving end, if they have very little knowledge of what, the benefits of a mental health facility is, and they're going with the stigma um, that you was in some kind of institution that is deemed for crazy people or anything like that, then that's what I have seen, and which I have seen to the extreme where people are now making false allegations of what this person can now possibly do to harm their employees solely on the fact that they now receive the sheet of paper that says someone was in a mental health facility. Excuse me outside of that marginalized i have seen it with women not getting promotions um especially when it comes to african-american women they're not getting promoted as high as their colleagues um, when it comes to their white counterparts and female counterparts Um, and so things like that another thing is when it comes to the harassment part people think it's okay to touch and do say inappropriate comments in the workplace which you would think you should have learned as early as Elementary school, high school, if nothing else, definitely went into professional schools, colleges and things like that, that certain things you just don't say in a certain setting. For some reason, people think now that I have a title, I can say and do as I please.
0: Yeah, that's that's really big as well. I see that all the time. Um, and there are some terms, right? There are some terms that are absolutely unacceptable to say, and yet they're still being used in the workplace, right? You know, like, uh, and, and, or these stigmas that are brought in because somebody needs a space to go and work on their own because, because it, that's how they work best. And I keep thinking on the along the lines of why aren't we allowing our employees to work, work the best in their own ways? And and this keeps coming up again. And again, it doesn't matter uh, if it's for a, starting a new project or getting a promotion or something like that. We're not allowing or enabling our own team members to see their full potential. I want to say something like that, right? A lot of people in my community have felt discrimination, have felt uh, retaliation against their employment because of that. What are some strategies that you work with, uh, with the people that you work with? You know, how do you coach them? How do you talk to them about ways that they can either promote uh, DEI or, you know, help themselves inside an organization? What do you, what do you say?
1: I always use the free method and it simply means, um, and it's spelled just like the regular word free F-R-E-E. And simply what it is, is F is for figure out. Take the time to figure out what your needs are and what is the community that you're in, whether that's educational, but as we're in a work, talking about the workspace, what's different about my workspace and what's unique about me figure that out and then e mean sorry r is for relish relish in that moment um get excited about what my uniqueness can bring to this this might be the first time that my employer ever had to deal with someone with my mental capacity or with my disability whatever your unique trait is figure that out and relish and get excited about it and then take the time to educate i know a lot of us uh in certain communities are tied of the education piece. Why can't they go out and educate themselves? Why do I always have to be on a teaching end? But go in and educate, you know, um, and that takes the opportunity for the employer and yourself. Because if I'm telling you I need accommodation, whether that's a larger screen, whatever situation, you now have to go in and do the research, right, to see how much more of the budget we need to increase, decrease to maybe accommodate this. It might be cheaper because it might be, <laughs> you know, this is not a highly... Purchase items. So it might be, you know, someone resold it because they used it for one employee or something like that. So go in and research and educate yourself. And then lastly, embrace these moments, embrace this opportunity that I get to educate somebody and let them know what's unique about me. And I can bring that into this workspace. And we can now go possibly sell it in the marketplace. You know, this is a workplace that a com they're true to their words when they say diversity and inclusion. And I have seen websites go in and talk about how an employee was shy and scared to come out in his company because he was the um, first in the company to become out as gay but once he did he the whole company pretty much bombarded his wedding and they showered them with, with so much love so it's just like get excited about those opportunities what can this do you might be the first one it could be overwhelming at times but at the same time this is your opportunity to educate and bring people into your world um in your universe and i think that's excellent
0: yeah and i've heard that a few times on the show now for people who are coming up again and again uh we talk about things like you pave the way for everyone after you who may be facing the same challenges in the workplace as well and you give inspiration even though you don't want to be inspiring and that's a that's a really big thing i think a lot of people in the disability community don't want to be anyone else's inspiration they just want to be treated fairly we just want to be treated uh with equity and and uh just fairly give us job opportunities i don't want your 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 pity i don't want your your inspiration i want a job right and that's kind of what it all comes down to but you are in turn paving the way for the next person who comes up and they are shy or they're nervous about getting another uh, getting a job or employment and you're helping them in that way as well, but what about some techniques? What what if what if someone said, you know, I'm facing discrimination in my workplace, Chiquito? What do I do? What's my first step?
1: for if, if it's discrimination in the workplace, um, one, you need to make sure you understand what is deemed discrimination because a lot of people don't understand discrimination has to be attached to a protected class aka disability race gender sexual orientation and things of that nature um so if it if you believe the actions that are done to you are based on your protected class here it would be disability then you also want to look at what are the actions that are being done am i being subjected to comments that are not nice solely on the basis of my disability Am I being subjected to um, slurs? Am I being subjected to longer work hours? You know am i being disregarded aka failure to accommodate when i am seeking an accommodation requests and if that's even like i said once again a larger screen a different keyboard you know larger text i might need a uh, some people talk about a higher cheer i can no longer sit for long periods of time so i'm asking for a higher desk where i can stand so just kind of more so understand what the discrimination um before you allege discrimination Ask yourself, do you believe I'm being treated this way because of my disability? And then, two, if you believe it's attached to your disability, what are the actions? Because a lot, every little thing, and there's case law to say petty offenses are not, you know, discrimination because my boss wrote me up, you know, (laughs) things like that. What exactly are the actions? But technique wise, I always say we all have these lovely things we like to float around and we can't live without daily. It's a lovely note section in there. Uh, Android or iPhone, start taking notes. That's the number one thing people fail to do. They don't recall who was in a room that day when that statement was stated. They don't recall what date it was. I, if I have a client or a potential client, I'm trying to walk you through a timeline. Okay, do you recall the season? Was it cold outside that you have on the coat? Was it sunny? Was it dark? So those key things you put in those notes. And if you're just not, you know, a phone person we have lovely notebooks some people love paper um so whatever works for you but start taking notes that's number one and make sure those notes are detailed as possible who was in the room how did you feel at that moment date time whatever who did you report this to that's another technique after you have enough because like i said every little thing and one minor incident may not be enough but after you have enough, I always say, let's try to talk to the person, the wrongdoer that you're alleging is doing the wrongdoer before you try to elevate it to management or human resources. Because what I find is a lot of times it's simply just a conversation. I didn't know that was offensive to you. Had you told me, I wouldn't have said it. But now that you went to my boss or me or human resources, now that we have this, you know, tug of war, we don't trust each other. I don't even feel comfortable talking to you anymore. Can you move this person out of my department? When it could have just been a simple conversation. So I say, start off with your notes and then simply go have that conversation with the person. And if they can, are not receptive of what you're saying and they can appreciate it and change their actions, then I say, elevate it to supervisors. And a lot of people say, what well, is my supervisor who's doing it? Well, address your supervisor first before you take to their management or human resources. And then once they do not you know, change anything internally, that's when you might want to get a lawyer involved. But I always try to work it out because I tell people, a lot of people rush to go for lawsuits, but believe me, the type of money that you're probably going to get in a lawsuit is not worthwhile, especially if you give another two or three years to that company, um, especially if you're that close to retirement or I just need three to four more years on my resume so that I can now take this and sell it in the marketplace to get a better position. Kind of weigh those options.
0: That sounds like really practical advice, and, and, I, and I like that, whereas it's not always going to the law uh, to, to, to start the process. I think a lot of it is, is well, how would you advise even someone starting that conversation with, a peer, or a boss, or something like that, because that's difficult. I'm, I'm gonna admit, first thing, that's really difficult for, for for many people to go to the person who has said something or done something uh, in a way that's offensive and saying, you know, I don't want to cause, I want to cause any ripples. It's just easier to go to somebody else and talk about it. Any any tips there?
1: Sure, I think it's always gonna be uncomfortable. And the same thing, if you go to HR, it's gonna be uncomfortable because you're in your mind, you're telling on someone, right? Right. Or you're challenging the norm. And so with that, I think it's very much easy to say, "Hey, I had so much advice, I've, or I've been contemplating this for a while, and even researched it, and all avenues are turning to report, you know, something." And before I go interrupt, you know, our flow, I just want to say, on this particular day, you made this comment. It made me feel, you know, this mm. way. Yeah, and can explain your feelings and why you felt that was wrong do you know that's a term that is not used in our community or well received in our community whatever way you feel is comfortable but i think you let them know that there was i am aware that there's an avenue for me to go report you but i choose to do it this way And I'm doing this because I respect you, and I honestly feel like this is something that we can work out. I think if you go with that type of attitude, then whoever the receiver is, they can, they should be able to receive. Like, okay, at least you're trying here. Yeah. Now, some people are just naturally jerks, (laughs) you know. We can't control that, but I think a lot of people just want that opportunity, and it's crazy to me because I go to a lot of um, depositions,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and people usually get terminated from their job. And so the first time they get to see their supervisor or whoever, it has been at least two or three years because that's about as long as it's going to take to get through litigation before you finally get to start doing your depositions. And it's just ironic to me because the supervisor and the managers, they're just so happy to see them. Like, how you do? Of course they have an attitude because you put their name in the lawsuit, but it's usually the, uh, you know, the commodity between the coworkers, they'd be excited because that was their world. You have work at least eight hours and sometimes a little bit longer to commute there from. So these are the people you interact with daily. And a lot of times, like, I just wish he would have just said that to me if he would have told me or she would have told me, you know, I could address things. Now, of course they've been prepped, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. but a lot of times it really is. And I just think even in a school setting, in your friendship setting, we have it all the time. You know, talk to your friends, don't automatically shut them out if you just give them it's the same thing in the workplace just give people the opportunity to simply address it and then what the law says is if they fail to address it after the opportunity to do so then you have a suit Uh,
0: as you were saying that to me i was putting myself in the in the position of somebody who were to receive that information or to receive that comment I can't imagine anyone if you were to go and approach someone honestly and and directly and just say, Hey, this is how this made me feel when you said that or pass this comment along. I would have a hard time putting myself in a situation, putting putting myself in the mind of somebody who would go against that. Or, you know, I know they exist. You said it yourself.
1: It's very rare because even in that moment, it's like, okay, well, you do have opportunities, you know, to go elsewhere and make this worse. But I think at the same time, I would feel even worse to just, sit there and make be a jerk about the situation.
0: Yeah. Now I want to flip it around a little bit here and talk maybe more from the employer's point of view. Cause I want to understand, you know, especially from that employers, if they fail to address some of these, uh, some of these issues, discrimination issues, or just in general, like thinking about DEI in the workplace, how can they help like mitigate risk or open up avenues for uh, people to have those conversations, especially around, Well, you mentioned it a little bit before, going to HR and things like that.
1: Uh, What are your thoughts on that? I think it's a big A word that we all forget around the workplace, accountability. If we start making our lower management level um, supervisors, managers, team leads, um, foremans. There's all different phrases they use in different industry, but they all have a supervisory role and they all have people that report to them. However, a lot of them get to act the way they act and do what they do because there's no accountability. Right, right. If I continue to treat people the way I treat people for my own personal reasons and I come in and turn that into the workplace and now a lawsuit is led against the company. They're going after the CEO. They're going after the legal department. I'm sitting at my desk, my cubicle, whatever, and my I'm going about my business. Someone might come and interview me one or two times and ask me my take on things. But however, there's nothing else. If we start having accountability and some kind of way to gauge how many clients Complaints are lodged against this one particular person. Your performance is affected by it. Your raises, anything like that. I think that is key because I always tell people, if you really go look at the lawsuits and that goes public for a discrimination claim, whistleblowing claim or harassment complaint, it's always a CEO, C-suite someone. right? But at the same time, these are not the individual who even know, they never met this person down below, right. right? There's no interaction. And so in addition to making the recruiters, because it's a lot of failure to promote claims, or my application was denied, um, or a large number of this protected class group applications were denied, and this particular group was hired over this group type thing, but that all goes to the recruiters, that all goes to the human resources director. So why aren't they the ones who have the accountability? And that's because their names nine times ten are not attached to the lawsuit.
0: Right, right.
1: Um, and so they don't care and they continue to do what they want to do. And they're still getting their bonuses. They're still taking their kids on their family vacations. So their life is not interrupted. Yep. So if there's some kind of accountability portion to it, I think you will see a lot of this decrease. And lastly, and the reason why I started the Blow the Whistle Law movement is because every year there's a budget set aside for lawsuits. Hmm. for these type of lawsuits. Someone's going to sue me this year for discrimination, or at least the probability is very high. Harassment, whistleblowing, some kind of workplace you know, issue. And because of that, I'm allocating this lump sum of money for a lawsuit. And so as an attorney, it's nice to have verdicts. It's nice to have settlements. But at the same time, I felt like what was I doing to interrupt the norm in right. the workplace? Right. And with that, we, we really need to still have that budget because it's, it's going to be needed. Right. But ultimately what you need to do is more, the more money we don't spend out of this budget, that's more of a bonus for you. Right. right. That more can go to your department or we can now explore more of those programs that you've been pushing and asking the company to push, making some kind of extended, you know? Yeah. So that's what I've been on a, a mission to preach. Like, accountability and also maybe you get more accountability if you take some of that lovely settlement money and verdict money and put it towards something and to make make a community of your colleagues
0: right right and i've seen many times organizations who will uh, maybe not divert i was not in the conversations around money but when we start to highlight and celebrate the parts of the business that are doing well in terms of DEI, diversity and inclusion, we see other parts of the organization doing it as well. We start to see a positive effect that ripples through the company and say, hey, we now have an ERG, an employee resource group or a business resource group who is promoting the best parts of um, uh, disability inclusion, uh, or people of color, or indigenous, or LGBTQ—like all these different groups—are now promoting the the best parts. We start to see other parts of the business say, "Oh, this matters. This matters at my company, and this matters." around uh around my community as well
1: um who doesn't want to be a part of the cool kids right, right. <laughs> this is the cool kids they're right. getting their features in there in these lovely linkedin articles <laughs> i want my turn so right. you know it's the same thing you know in high school everyone go gets the new pair of jordans <laughs> 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 who doesn't want to now go tell their mom they want the jordans whatever so you know it's it's the, like you said snowball effect mm-hmm. you do right and it makes everybody else want to do right.
0: Someone here, James, hi, how are you? He was asking about how would someone with a speech impediment or someone they're being maybe perhaps discriminated against before they even get the job, right? And that's, that's even more difficult because there's, in my mind, there's no protection against that at all because there's no HR department who's there. What would you say for someone like that or someone who's deaf or hard of hearing or uh, is, is already being discriminated against before they even walk into the place of employment?
1: Understandable. So honestly, for someone in James' position or based on the question that James posed, what I would suggest is that we be honest with ourselves. If you do get the opportunity, how comfortable are you, you know, walking to this interview? So one, we got to get a mindset shift as to how comfortable am I going into interviews? Um, I'll give a slight example and it'll tie back to answering your question. I had an employee uh, who started off the interview process and he was Muslim. And he noticed as he was going into different job interviews, he, women would reach out to shake his hand and he would try to like stumble with his, whatever, laptop, his uh, portfolio. And so when I offer him an opportunity to interview, he is gladly accepted. He hung up then he called right back and said, can I be honest with you? I would love to interview with you, but here's what I'm finding. Based on my religion, I can't touch women. Is that going to be a deal breaker? And he was honest during that time. And I said, well, no, thank you for letting me know. I actually had a Muslim doctor before, and he explained this in his culture. Even his wife, he can't touch with the sun is up. So thank you for being honest. And so sometimes it's just going back to being honest up front. You know, I'm excited for this opportunity. I would love to take it. Can you accommodate me? Uh, because the position and role that I'm taking, it hopefully it wouldn't require you to do too much speaking. So it wouldn't have an adverse effect on the company overall if that's what their concern is. Uh, but I know I have the ability to perform the duties on this application. And maybe a lovely cover letter would, you know, help that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh- and, and that goes to other parts, even entrepreneurs, right? We get so hooked on one single client or something like that. And if we put so, and, and it's the same kind of thing. If we just go up front and say, hey, by the way, my services mm-hmm. cost money. So I'm just gonna let you know, we're gonna have a, a conversation around money about that. Being <laughs> super upfront, being super upfront. I mean, the speaking business where you and I both mm-hmm. uh, operate a lot, but we're doing the same kind of thing, aren't we? We're saying, you know, we're gonna be talking about money in this conversation, just so you know, if you've got $0 budget, we may be talking in a different way, so the being upfront and honest and, and about it, I think, is a great uh, is is a great technique to uh, to approach that. And I, but I can appreciate uh, the challenges that some people may have even walking up to an employer, especially. If not can only being, imagine. Yeah, if they're not being given many opportunities to begin with, as well. Well, what can I do if if uh, if you if they work for a government agency in in Canada that defends the injured workers but don't recognize inv- invisible disabilities, even though. They've disclosed neuropsy, and, but have not been able to accommodate just based to help me find a job. Uh, they've micromanaged uh, for breaks and made go to a neuropsychologist and basically put someone in a handicap situation. You know, I can, I can appreciate, I'm not sure who, who sent this, but I can appreciate the, the frustration that that must feel like. And someone's just asking, you know, is it better just to go elsewhere? and, and w- what can be done. So I, I feel, I feel that this situation is probably something that's not that uncommon, uh, where you feel trapped. And I, that's what I'm getting from this message is I feel trapped because someone's asking me to do something. And I'm being, I'm being overly, uh, someone's being overcritical of my work, and I can't, I don't know what to do.
1: And I have actually witnessed that from a client before. And so in that situation, um, usually, if you disclose to an employee, I have this disability or this condition, and I am asking for an accommodation. Here's what my doctor is provided based on, what, because most companies do have their own forms they want you to complete. There are national forms, uh, but most situations, they are put on some kind of company letterhead, and then the company also have their own set of forms. And so in situations, you might take that form, have my doctor complete it. I fill it out, submit it, and the company still requires that I go see their internal doctor. Well, it's not uncommon, to be honest, especially if you're in public industry. For example, I have my husband, he works for a city entity. And so with that, the agency, I shall say, they actually have to go get a third party doctor for any kind of release, knee injury, anything. And so it's not uncommon. And so the question is, do you believe it's solely because it's the the type of disability that you disclose? or can you look to the left and look to the right and identify at least two to three other employees, at least one more, if not two to three, that also was required to now go see a doctor recommended by the employer. And a lot of times what I do find an issue is so many people rush and challenge the idea that my employer is now trying to make me do X, Y, and Z, which includes going to see this third party and um, doctor or treater, and with that, we do say no, or we blow deadlines because the employer sends you multiple documents stating you have until this day to go get clearance and you don't do it, then you lose your job and then you lose any rights you have technically because even with an attorney, we could possibly see the discrimination there, but it boils down that the employer have a legitimate reason for their action to terminate. And if you didn't follow a directive from your employer, AKA go get seen and cleared by our doctor, Then your employer has the upper hand in that situation, you know, and so to answer the question, if you feel like it's too much for you, then yeah, leave, if you can, you know, if you can afford to take some time off and leave, definitely leave, but also think about it in retrospect, as someone really picking on you. Or is this something that just a company required? And you can also answer that by simply look at your handbook. It details what requ- what is required to be accommodated, what is required to be released back to work after a major surgery, or anything like that. Take the time to read.
0: Got it. Got it. That's that's great advice, Chiquita. We're about at time now, and thanks so much for being on the show today. Is there one takeaway that you want listeners to remember?
1: Yes, that our workplace is. Pretty much condition, well, I'll say this, your happiness in the workplace is conditioned and it's suppressed upon yourself on how you allow others to treat you and how you allow others to treat your colleagues. Start speaking up and remember that A word, accountability. Um, like I said, Blow the Whistle Lost was, was a movement that started solely about accountability. If people just open their mouth and challenge the norm, what someone said in that moment didn't make you feel good, and they probably wasn't even talking to you they were probably talking to a colleague at least let them know that that wasn't nice you shouldn't talk to people like that you shouldn't do things like that i think we that would be a great step towards progress
0: wasn't that a great episode you probably have lots of new ideas swirling through your head right now now how are you going to go and teach that to your boss your team or your clients you need a strategy to move forward contact me today hi at com, and let's talk about how we can move this forward in your organization or individual practice. If you could right now like and subscribe to this show, it really does help grow our reach to get more people involved and interested in disability inclusion and making the world a more inclusive place. And don't forget, you can also watch this show live on LinkedIn. Just find me there. It's every Friday at noon Eastern. See you next week.